set of those yellow credits we saw scrolling out here. Good lord, how many of those are in the galaxy? Well, let's see. I can see nine big ones from here. A couple small ones. Looks like this one was a knockoff, some cheap fan fiction or something like that. That's good. I I guess it's good that it wasn't from one of the, the big movies. We might not have survived. Yeah, we might have gotten a letter. Well, I'm not interested in, you know, opening the car door to dislodge it. Yeah. Being in space and all. Why don't you go ahead and Open the show, and we'll see where this takes us. Okay, I can do that. Hello, everyone, and welcome to After the Flop, the only show that brings you the stories you didn't know you didn't know. I am one of your hosts, Good Job Lacey. I am your other host, Nolan Lacey. I want to thank everyone for tuning in this month. It's good to have everybody in. Um, I'm a little bit concerned, though, that it's going to be a while before our transmission gets to anybody in our galaxy. Yeah, that's right. As you may have heard, if the other one got through, our last episode was a crossover episode from our sister show, Mm -hmm. Good Better Quest. You see, the network thought it would be good for listeners to get involved in a... uh, in immersive experience with the other material on Final Plank Media. Well, it's plenty immersive, all right. We let that dungeon master rush us at the end of the last episode, and he ended up having us roll a d20 for luck, but we should have been rolling a d12, and somehow that teleported us to this galaxy long ago and far away. Well, okay, so I I have some some complaints about that. I I got in contact with the Know-It-All brothers, and they sent me a PDF of... The, the guide, as they usually do. Cool. You know, thank you. Thank you. Know it all, brothers. No, thanks. And, uh, I, you know, he, the, the dungeon master, quote unquote, was making us roll some pretty weird things. We never should have touched a d12. Everything hmm. should have been a d20. And also, I, I just want to point out, we didn't get teleported. We got plane shifted. You know, this isn't just something some seventh level bard spell is gonna do. This is some kind of sorcery shit, okay? This is this is not something somebody can learn in a college. I mean, come on, come on. Anyway, uh, if this is your first time joining us here on After the Plot, and since we have plenty of time to kill, uh, I'm gonna give you a quick rundown of the season so far. So, as you know, we're an investigative journalism podcast, uh, serious journalism into serious issues. So when we had the opportunity to take a time machine out for a spin, we took it. I mean, who wouldn't? First, we went to the year 2112 to have it inspected and tuned up. And while we were there, we ended up recruiting a couple of people, the Roadrunner, the Flash, and Sonic the Hedgehog, a lot of, a lot of, a lot of speedy guys, a lot of, a lot of speedy folks, to help, us, yeah, to help us recover some star power from Toad. Yeah, that's right. And and from there, we took our time machine to several other stops, including, but not limited to, the 41st, 22nd, and I'm pretty sure it was the 17th millennium. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in those places, we we almost got arrested by some space marines. We talked to some orcs. We spoke with the Bene Gesserit. Uh, we almost got arrested by some Fremen. We visited Earth at the height of the Galactic Empire. We almost got crushed by a spaceship, yeah. destroyed by some evil robots, yeah. and... Just to top it off, we almost got a parking ticket. And then through a weird set of events that, you know, was nobody's fault, we accidentally ended up eating some of the spice melange. Hey, 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 you got the tins. Hey, how, how was I supposed to know? They looked exactly like a tin of Altoids. 
Easy, easy mistake to make. You know, it's curious that you say that, but after we accidentally ingested some of the spice, which took us through some type of dimensional portal, and spat us out in the middle of a game of Dungeons and Dragons. Well, fortunately for us, a crossover episode was already in our contracts for the season, so we decided to just knock two birds with one stone and just do the episode there. Yeah, yeah. I do have to say, though, that tabletop gaming wasn't exactly what I thought it was going to be. What do you mean? Well, you know, there was supposed to be this air of imagination and everybody's coming together to, to fight this big bad evil, and it really just turned out to be math, hmm. books, and nerdy shit. Yeah, like almost back in school or something. Yeah, I don't want to go to school for this. Give me a deck of Skippo cards any day. Exactly. Yeah. That's how you kill demons. Well, now we're stuck in some distant galaxy, being dragged along by some opening credits? Like fan fanfic opening credits? Looks like it. Where do you think the story is for this episode? I'm not sure, but you know how we keep getting teleported or transported or plane shifted at the end of all the episodes? Yeah, it's almost like they're these cosmic writers that are just running out of ideas or finding themselves stuck uh, oh, in the oh, same oh, kind I, never of mind, Never mind that. Anyway, check this out. I've been practicing my interdimensional travel impression. <clears throat> Okay. Okay. <laughs> okay, man. D don't. I mean it. before the trajectory of the opening credits took us within the vicinity of a habitable planet. For it is known that any opening credits will sooner or later pass within sight of a planet or ship of some significance. Sorry. As the credits were drawn to the gravity well of the planet, our time machine began to heat up as it slammed into the air molecules of the planet's atmosphere. Fortunately, our time machine was equipped with an aftermarket atmospheric re-entry kit, so we buckled up and prepared for landing. As we opened the doors to the car, I stood and looked back at the shiny black smudge of melting glass we left across the sandy floor of the desert. Whew. Look at that, man. We must have come in real hot. You know, I gotta say, I talked a lot of smack about the mechanic, but, uh... This bucket of bolts here, it hadn't missed a beat yet. Or so I thought. Just as I said that, fate disagreed, and the car coughed and wheezed as water pipes burst and steam and other fluids seeped out from the bottom. You just had to say that, didn't you? Sorry. What are we gonna do now? Gazing around, we could see that we landed very near an outcrop of rocks which ran the length of our landing path. The ground began vibrating, and we heard a distant rumble and rattle of an enormous engine. Suddenly, just over the hill, came a gigantic sand crawler, looming closer to our vehicle. It slowed to a stop, and a group of hooded creatures came walking out. Huh? 
Hey guys, uh, we're journalists with uh, Final Plank Media. You, you may have heard of us on our podcast, After the Plot. Um, my name is Good Job Lacey, and this here is my co-host, Frank. That's... that's not even... you're doing that on... Per- so anyway, we're new here. Sorry about the mess back there. Kind of crash-landed the ship a little. Uh, could one of you fellas point us in the direction of, like, the nearest spaceport or place of commerce? Somewhere where we might, you know, look into some of the untold stories around here. Without warning, my co-host dodged behind a rock. Holy throne! Just as one of the creatures pulled out an ugly-looking rifle and shot a blast of blue crackling energy to the place where he had just been standing. Oh, jeez, look out! What was... It's so loud! A beat-up tow truck rolled and, er, floated out from behind a bend. The small hooded creature stopped and stood back as the driver laid on the weird-sounding horn again. The tow truck came to a halt, and a rugged-looking man stepped out. briefly glanced at the two of us before turning towards the hooded assailants and speaking with them in what seemed to be their native tongue. After a few terse exchanges, the small creatures retreated to their immense sand crawler and took off. man then turned to us. Uh, thanks for doing that. That was that was starting to get really rough. Uh, uh, my name's Nolan. This is my co-host, Good Job. How do you do? The name's Dash. I run Rindar's towing service. If you break down, we'll have you running in a dash. It's a little play on words. As it turned out, Dash wasn't native to Tatooine, the planet which we were currently on. He moved here a few years ago after a brief career in what he described as an acquisitions position with a startup financial consulting firm. If you ask me, though, I'm pretty sure it was smuggling. So let me ask you, I, you know, I, I, did, I don't know if I was being rude, but why did that thing try and shoot me? That thing was a Jawa, and he wasn't trying to hurt you, just stun you. Thought you were a droid and trying to barter with your co-host here. Wait, you speak Jawa? Or Jawanese? What do you, what do you call it, Jawish? Dude, come on, man. Sorry. Dash said he would tow us to Moss Eisley, as he was headed there anyway. A buddy of mine got an old T-16 at auction that he needs towed back to his workshop in Anchorhead. Our destination, Moss Eisley, was one of the biggest and closest cities nearby, and we'd be sure to find an interesting story there. Within moments, he was busy hooking up our time machine to his hover tow truck. I took the time to speak with my co-host. Hey, come here for a second, man. How did you know to jump out of the way of that blaster? What do you mean? He shot first. Uh, no, I was watching. You jumped out of the way, and then that Jawa shot at you. Huh. I guess you're right. With the car in its current beat-up shape, what with the collision with the opening credits and crashing on Tatooine and whatnot, we took the dirt road across the desert to Moss Eisley, where we stopped near the edge of town at a place called Mungo's All Stop. It seemed to be a general store, hair care, mechanic shop, all rolled up into one. We approached an empty desk, when a hole in the top appeared, 
and a single mechanical eyeball atop a spindly metallic body sprouted out of the top. Oh jeez, looks like Mungo got his TT-8L droid working again. Fellas, just let me do the talking. Yeah, yeah, Achupapinski. Listen, 8L, is Mungo in? I want a tight schedule. No, I didn't call in. I'm passing through. But these two... Listen. Yes. Come on. Just... Just tell Mongo. I've got some new business for him, okay? Okay. Listen, fellas. They'll load your vehicle up in the back and take a look. Mungo ought to be with you shortly. We thanked Mr. Rendar for his help, and we settled into the waiting room. I poured myself a cup of blue milk, while my co-host rifled through today's copy of the Moss Eisley Messenger, the local newspaper. Apart from ourselves, the waiting room contained mostly droids. Uh, we couldn't tell if they were the customers or the actual repair jobs for the mechanic. There was one other biological creature in the waiting room, however, with two bulging eyes on either side of their brown squid-like head. They seemed to be able to scan the entire room without turning their gaze. Hi, the name's Slignar. Slignar was delighted for the opportunity to speak to us for our show. Well, as you may know, us Mon Calamari have never been big fans of the Galactic Empire. But for all their faults, they kept things in working order. But nowadays, you're more likely to get ripped off by a Jawa or hustled by one of the hut gangs than to run into any Imperial trouble. The galaxy is just too big to run without strong leadership, I tell you what. Well, okay, well tell us about this Skywalker family stuff. I, I read here in the Moss Eisley Messenger, they might be the next big family, politically speaking. Could they, you know, fill the power vacuum? Maybe fill in some kind of monarchical power? Well, don't even get me started on that kind of drama. I can't tell you how sick to death people are about hearing this Skywalker Palpatine feud. Just a couple of entitled families who can't go three months at a time without ending up on the front page of any local newspaper. Like we really care about some celebrity drama or anything like that. What is... What is she? I don't. I don't know what. Toto, Well, she's she's saying you fellas could go see Mungo now. Hi, y'all aren't from around here, are you? No, not no, really. No, not, not not exactly. Just follow that little mouse droid. It'll take you back to the garage. The oh, okay. Th uh, thanks. Thank. Cool. Thank you, sir. Thank you. Ma'am. Yeah, no problem. Y'all just have a nice day. The back of the shop looked very similar to the mechanics garage from episode one, only this time everything seemed to be just from one franchise, so that helped. Before we left the waiting room, Slignar had explained that Mungo was a Doug. He stood no less than a meter off the ground, but walked on his long arms and used his shorter prehensile feet as his hands as he explained the damage to the well, car. I was able to repair the busted fuel line, but your hyperdrive motivator has a shit work ethic. 
Looks like you won't be using a hyperspace lane anytime soon. No hyperspace? How are we supposed to get back to our own galaxy? Your own galaxy? How far are you boys trying to get? Well, you know, just like the Milky Way galaxy. Oh boy. A trip like that, even with a class one hyperdrive, will take you well over 800 parsecs. Hold on, wait. Isn't I thought parsecs were a measure of distance. I didn't think you could... However, I may know a place where you can find something that will help. Word on the street is that before the fall of the Galactic Empire, God rest his soul, they were experimenting with some type of intergalactic hyperspace lanes. Supposedly, already laid out the quantum framework for some of them. Oh, sweet. Let's just hop on one of those. Slow down there, hotshot. The problem is, they're hidden. Invisible to scanners. You might accidentally hit one eventually, but you two got a better chance of being crowned king and queen of Bunta Eve. Shit, well... Okay, what do you... What do you think we can do now? Way I see it, you only got one option. Head to the old Imperial Junkyard out beyond the Dune Sea. If you search around at one of those busted-up Star Destroyers, you might be able to find an intact hypernav monitor. But I wouldn't hold your breath. People have been searching that graveyard for decades, and so far, no luck. Just a lot of wasted time and money. Which, speaking of, how you guys supposing to pay for all this work? I mean, even if you do find a hypernav monitor, it'll cost you nearly an arm and a leg to install it. Short on cash, I rifled through my pockets until I found the tin of spice from the Benny Gesserit. I took it out and waved it in front of my face for the Doug to see. Uh, spice trade around here, yeah? We can pay in spice. You can trade in spice. Uh, this is enough, right? That's... that is enough, right? Hey, great! I replaced the tin in my pocket, and we went back into the front of the shop. As we started to make plans for our trip across the Dune Sea to the Imperial Junkyard, Mungo came back inside as well, looking a little dazed. After a moment, he recommended we find a guide. Someone who knew these parts, as well as the dangers associated with it. And the best place to look was the Moss Eisley Cantina. Can you tell us the street it's going to be on? You know, which one? Which one what? Which cantina? This is a huge city. I mean, there must be dozens, if not hundreds, of cantinas. you got to narrow it down for us. You boys aren't from around here, are you? Well, well, no. No, I mean, still no. Everybody knows there's only one cantina per planet. How do you reckon people are always able to find who they need within the space of a feature-length presentation? I mean... The logistics on parking alone boggle the mind, and when you factor in how long it would take to search each establishment, uh, you know what? Don't worry about it. Just head east into town, and you'll be sure to hit it. We entered the dark and smoky cantina to find an array of different creatures sitting amongst the booths in the bar of the establishment. But before we could even take three steps in... Hey! Hey, you! Take your droid outside. Is he... Is he talking to you or me, man? I... I'm... I'm not really sure. Um, hi! Hello! Neither of us are droids, sir! <laughs> Could've fooled me. I ordered a drink, and we went about looking for someone who might help us in our trek across the dangerous Dune Sea. 
Before long, we met a man who seemed like he would be our best bet. You can call me Andy. Andy is a retired stormtrooper. Name used to be NDY1138, but that was before everything fell apart now. Ever since the Galactic Empire began to crumble, millions of Imperial soldiers were looking for work. Andy was one of them. He said he had been a stormtrooper all his life, escaping death by mere strokes of luck for years. He shipped off the first Death Star only a week before the Battle of Yavin. Thank goodness for that one. Later on, I served as platoon leader on the Emperor's Super Star Destroyer. Well, things didn't work out for that one either now, did they? But nowadays, Andy's message is all about environmental stewardship. After I was out of a job, it suddenly became frighteningly clear how much of a bloody mess the Empire was making all along. He helps run an educational company that spans the gamut of ways to help out. From championing recycling efforts... You know, keep Malastair tidy. Don't cash in on Kashyyyk. To climate change. I mean, have you even been to off? It's not supposed to be that cold, mate. To even animal, or er, species, conservation. Ah, the poor little Ewoks, you should have seen them. Dodging fallen Death Star chunks for months. I mean, how's a guy like me supposed to stand by and watch that? Get Ewoke, stay Ewoke. That's what I always say. But nowadays, we tackle animals like tauntauns to show off what a beauty they are to the camera. Or even toss it with a wampa or two. Blimey! So you seem like you'd be more than capable of getting us across the Dune Sea to the old Imperial junkyard, yeah? That old thing? Yeah, I can get you there. Might be a little bumpy here and there, but I reckon we can make it. Just then, we were interrupted by a massive hut who slid up to our table. Chuba. Uh, let's see, let's see. Me bana no longer. Boss, boss. Oh, yeah, boss seen up tooth me chegla. Boss, I know. Uh, hey, you fellas want anything? Ah, looking around, I think I'm good. Oh, I'll take one of those uh, blue milks if you got it. Alright. And, uh, booty goo Misha. Some go. Thanks, baby. Does everyone here all speak every other language? Like, why? I can only understand half of what's going on. I don't know. It it feels like uh, it feels like we're kind of babbling here, man. I, yeah. I I feel really weird. After Andy and I finished our drinks and discussed more of our travel plans, one of the wait staff brought the bill to the table. As thanks to Andy for his help, I offered to pay the tab. Uh, here you go. This ought to cover it, and you can keep the change. I can keep the change. Blimey! You fellas Jedi or something like that? I mean, I'm an Ares, I don't I don't know if that really I'm a seagull! So we left Moss Isley and went straight into a preparation montage. Alright, you've got your rope, grappling hooks. Check. Health packs. Check. I uh, think this here is a flashlight. Here, you try it out. Okay. <laughs> this is a terrible flashlight. Things as clumsy as a blaster. 
Repair kit. Uh, check. Battle stimulant. Check. Wait, what? So, does this thing get pretty good mileage? From a certain point of view. Thermal detonators. Uh, I mean, do we really need those? Man, these cables are really tangled up in knots. Here, what kind of knot do you think this is? Try not. Mm-hmm. How about this one? Do not. Back to pack. Okay, now you're just making stuff up. How long is this trip supposed to take anyway? A little ways into our trip, Andy had us pull over for a pit stop. The little mom-and-pop establishment was called Urrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrrr
creating a sprawling maze. At the center of this maze hovered a blue ghost. Say something, man. Um, hello? Easy. Uh, hi. Uh, my name is Goodjob, and we're here to find an old hypernav monitor to get back to our own galaxy. Do, do you know where we could find one? And what do you have to offer in return? What, what are we supposed to offer him for... Tell him he can be on the podcast. What? Yeah, tell him we'll interview him. I'm sure this dude has some story to tell. Oh, okay, okay. <clears throat> um, we'll get you an exclusive interview on our podcast? Uh, no, uh, that is okay. Uh, you see, uh, we've already got one. What? He said they already got one. Are you sure? Oh, yes. It's very nice. The force ghost glanced down, apparently at some other force ghosts, hiding behind one of the massive pipes. I thought so. Where are they Okay, well, uh, maybe we could exchange mid-reels. Of course not. You are those Jedi Kinnigan types. What? Well, what are you then? I'm Sith. Why do you think I have this outrageous Sith accent? Look, man, we just need a part for our ship to get home, so if you won't help us, at least tell us where to go look. No, I don't want to talk to you no more. Your mother was a Tusken Raider, and your father smelt of Thonton entrails. At this point, the other Force Ghosts revealed themselves from behind the pipes and began hurling bolts of electricity at us. Which looks scary at first, but turns out it's more just like a static shock on a doorknob. Still, kind of annoying. Ow! Shit! Come on, man. Let's get out of here. Ow! Ooh! Ah! Ow! Shit! Your mother's a Wookiee! We climbed back out of the wreckage empty-handed and emerged into the barren desert, unsure of what our next step was. It was then that we noticed a lone figure standing next to our time machine. Well, hello, boys. What seems to be the problem? Aw, can't find your long-lost part. Where, Where did you come from? There's no one out here. With a snap of his fingers... The strange man disappeared and immediately reappeared between the two of us, his arms around both of our shoulders. The name is Q, and I come from everywhere. You mean like you've got dual citizenship? Oh, well, no, not exactly. Anyway, I think this show has had enough of this planet and this galaxy. Time to get you back to your own galaxy, especially considering your next assignment. What? You have a story for us or something? Do I? <laughs> I've got quite a story indeed. I can even see the headlines now. Starfleet's Red Shirt Redemption. With another snap of his fingers, the three of us reappeared inside our car. Which was kind of odd because it only has two seats. Hey, but uh, we, we never actually fixed our time machine. How are we even supposed to get back? You don't worry about that, my primitive hominid friend. I'll have you back before you can say, Make it so. Uh, make it After the Plot is produced by Brent and Nolan Lacey. Additional talent was provided by Doug Hawley. The show is edited by Brent Lacey. Theme music composed by Jared Bookbinder. Additional music is licensed by Jedi Mind Tricks. 
Sound effects were provided courtesy of freesound.org and tabletopaudio.com. Turns out, those were the droids you were looking for. After the Plot is a production of Final Plank Media. I mean, I'm an Aries. I don't, I don't know if that really... I'm a seagoat! <laughs> what are you? Capricorn. Seagoat. Seagoat. I'm the land goat. You're the seagoat. I never thought of that.